Welcome back to the lab with your host, Brad Bolt. Welcome back to the lab. Back to the lab. Welcome back to the lab. Back to the lab. Welcome back to a, another edition of the NFL Lab Network podcast. I am your host, Brad Bolt, and joined by a couple good friends and a very talented analyst, up-and-coming analyst in the world uh, with us today. We're going to talk a little bit of fantasy football, but introducing first the host of the Saturday Air Raid podcast on the NFL Lab Network, John Roberts. John, how's it going? I was going to say, this is really nice to be able to just like sit back, let someone else introduce the show, navigate it, do all the pivoting. I just, I was just saying, Hutch, before, oh, I've just bought the guest. Oh, no. I was just saying, um, before I just come off another pod where I was talking for like two hours. So I'm ready to go again, taking a little break. That's a long, really long winded way of saying I'm good. Thank you. Thanks, Hutch. And joining us as well is the co-host of the Sad Day Air Raid Show as well, the bearded wonder himself, Dan O'Connell. Dan, how's it going? I'm good, Brad. How are you going tonight, mate? We are going good and even better because we have one of the brightest young fantasy football analysts on the show tonight. He joins us with part of his part of the Football Guys team and DLF Football, Hutchinson Brown. Hutch, how's it going, mate? Doing awesome, guys. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you all having me on the show. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk some Dynasty today, so super excited. It's going to be good, man. It's going to be good. That we are. Today, we're just going to talk about some of our, I guess, not the big name buy or sell sort of guys. So people that you're looking in those middle tiers who you think that you'd be going after because you're projecting big season for them coming up or I guess the the role that they're sort of playing. So um, we want to pick a few guys who you're looking at buying in all your dynasty leagues and a few guys who you're looking to sell off for either whether it be for rebuilding purposes or if you're trying to sell them off for a better part of better player sort of thing based on their value. So going to kick it off with our guest, Hutch. Who's your first buy that you're looking to in Dynasty? So the first buy I would like to talk about, I really, uh, I am a big, big fan of this player coming out of college, and I, I just don't understand why people are dissing him because of the landing spot. I'm going to be talking about Jack Smith the Jigba, wide receiver of the Seattle Seahawks. He recently got drafted in the first round. And there are plenty of people that are fading Jack Smith at Jimmy because he landed in Seattle Seahawks. And the Seattle Seahawks obviously isn't the dream landing spot that we were thinking of for him. We were thinking more maybe Green Bay, maybe New England, where he has number one role. There are some other spots where he could have been, you know, the number one wide receiver. We would have liked it better. But Seattle's perfectly fine. I mean, Geno Smith and this offense were really, really great last year. And, you know, we can't expect Geno Smith to repeat what he did last year. But this offense still has a lot of talent and still should be very, very productive. And we, he's got competition there with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But we saw Jack Smith and Jigba with Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Troy Fleming. That wide receiver room in 2021, he put up 1,600-plus yards in 2021. That like that was his breakout year. That's where he really had that big season. That was with that as his receiving competition. Like 
he's going to do just fine in Seattle. And honestly, I, I truly think he's one of the more talented receivers to come out in a while. And I think there's a very realistic chance that he's the number one wide receiver in this team by year's end. So I, I think he's being drafted as wide receiver 17 right now in most dynasty drafts. I think that's absolutely ludicrous. I have ranked as my wide receiver 11 in dynasty and I want to move him up, but I I just can't, I can't find a name. I can put him above. I want to move him up, but uh, he's currently just sitting just behind Chris Olave and T Higgins at, uh, at 11. And I'm just, I'm so excited for him. I think he's way too undervalued because of his landing spot in dynasty. You want to trust that talent wins out. Redraft is sometimes hard, sometimes situation wins for a year or two, but in Dynasty, you always want to trust the talent in Jacksonville Chick, but we know he's a supremely talented player. He's going to earn the target share he deserves. So just so you know, Hutch, you could probably see John bouncing out of his seat at the moment. He's a Seahawks fan. So you've just started the show off perfectly for him now. He's bumping <laughs> buzz and exactly. took, took the words out of my mouth. And what I was going to say is if you want to go higher in him in your Dynasty rankings, you can. I've got him at 13 right now, just behind Devonta Smith. Um, and just ahead of Jerry Judy, who we'll talk about tomorrow night on my show. But uh, yeah, I'm all over Jackson Smith at Jigbo. I think he's going to be one of the best prospects we've seen in a long time. And I know everyone talks about this Ohio oh, yeah. State receiving corps. Like it was a historically um, great receiving room that we're up, especially having CJ Stroud and Justin Fields a few years ago. Um, but I think he's gone as the perfect landing spot. I don't think we need to know too much about Gino. This year we know enough. I understand the Seahawks have got this contract where they can really easily move on from Geno Smith. But I think that the Seahawks are always, I think that recently they've showed that they know what they're doing and they're sitting in the driver's seat. Um, if they bring someone in, I think we can just trust the process. Um, I think that, you know, Tyler Lockett will probably still be around, kick around a little bit longer just because he's been so um, solid with his longevity. But eventually it's going to be a really nice receiving room with DK Metcalf, Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, Noah Fant is a great – like, they've got a great um, list of tight ends who are all going to be able to support each other. And especially, I actually think bringing in um, Zach Charbonnet is a good thing for the offense, for the receiving corps as well, because if we can get oh, these yeah, – keep these drives alive, um, and it's going to give so much more opportunity for Jackson Smith and Jigra in the slot, or where, even he starts to play outside as well. well. I think a lot of people were down this year on the receiving class just because of what we've had in recent years. Like, you look at this class we had last year, and that was insane. And oh, then yeah. even when you look at Jamar Chase as well and Jefferson. So you look at this year's class, and people were off it just because there wasn't that level of, that we expected from the years before. So I think that's why JSN's flying a little bit under the radar as well. And like you said, being drafted at wide receiver 17 or whatever. So yeah, that's where he's going. I think that played into it a lot. It's a good point. I think we've also just decided as a fantasy community that this this year's receivers coming out of this draft uh, just sort of collectively were down on them. And somehow Jackson Simpson Jigba has fallen into that group when really he's actually quite an outlier within the group. Sure, the rest of the guys are a little bit smaller and they're not um, the usual body types that we're used to seeing or putting up the same measurements and, and things like that. But I think that he is in this sort of like tier above and then we can get into the rest of the guys as well. So, Hutch, I have a question for you with Jackson Smith and Jigba is actually probably the perfect guy for this. So when you're looking at either buying or selling a player in, in Dynasty, do you yeah. take into account the type of role that they might play? So Jackson Smith and Jigba is 
major, like predominantly going to be the slot receiver. And, you know, the slot receiver yeah. seems to have, you know, now become the, the key uh, part of an offense sort of thing. So when you're looking at a player like Jackson Smith and Jigba, if he was going to, let's just say it was Arizona drafted him and he was going to be, he, they, you know, they were going to try and so they've come out and said, right, we're going to play him on the outside. Does that change your mindset into, oh, maybe I won't put this guy so high based on that type of role? Or do you look at the team that he goes to, where he's going to fit into that offense and that determines where you think, right, This is, he's a buy at this number because of that? I mean, obviously, you want to make sure that your players will be put in the right role that they fit in. Obviously, like some we've seen it in history that some players are put in roles where they just simply don't belong. And as a result, they don't really succeed. Like we, we see it all the time in fantasy football. We see it all the time in the NFL. Jackson, I think Jigba, I think that when I when I, I made sure, like, because people were primarily calling him a slot receiver because and then I went to watch film on him and just see, like, what are his what is he looking like on the outside? Where is he taking the snaps? He took plenty of snaps on the outside, and he looked really good out there. I think he can play both outside and inside. Sure, he's primarily a slot wide receiver, but I think he's fine on the outside. So I don't. I think it would have been fine if Arizona was going to put him on the outside for me. But I do like the fact that he's going to be fitting more in the slot in Seattle. I probably shouldn't mention this, but there was this fantastic clip that was going around Seahawks Twitter a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, of Jackson Smith and Jigabird just burning down the sideline with Devin with the spoon behind him. And it was just, I love that they posted it because they were like, look at how amazing this receiver we've got is. And then within 10 minutes, they're like, oh, but he's burning our other young talent. So let's get it off. But for everyone who saw (laughs) it, I've uh, probably got it framed and sitting somewhere. (laughs) See, I think he's got potential to be the massive target hog in that offense as well. Like you look at DK Metcalf, he's a big play receiver, but JSN's going to be that target monster, I think, as well. And think about how much Seattle wasn't throwing over the middle of the field with Russell Wilson because they were too busy, you know, throwing deep balls or um, flats and outs compared to now when Gino is able to see the field um, very well. I'm not going to compare it with what Russell Wilson was doing, but I think that, yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigger is going to be able to eat up so many targets um, over the middle on the outside. I think, it's a, I think it's a great call. So we talked about wide receivers. Dan, I think I know – well, I not I think I know. I know one of your guys that you uh, want to talk about as a buy as a wide receiver. So who's your first buy in Dynasty? Well, I had, a, I had a few, but I'm looking at Michael Pittman Jr. And a lot of the reason I'm looking at him is because of what value you're going to have to give up to get him. And I don't think you're going to have to give up an awful lot to pick up someone like him at the moment. And then you look at uh, the way I think they're going to start the season with Anthony Richardson, who I think will start week one. I think they're going to have a slow start to the season. So you look at someone like Michael Pittman Jr., whose value to start the year is going to drop off as well. And I think people that roster him are going to start to lose patience a lot. So I think you can pick him up cheap and what he can give you for the price you're going to have to pay for him, I'm all over him at the moment. Hutch, what's your thoughts on Pittman? Yeah, Pittman's, an, Pittman's an interesting one. I really am terrified of Anthony Richardson. I mean, with this guy completed just over 50% of his passes in college, it's kind of really hard to trust a quarterback with that kind of uh, production. And it, uh, it, it's hard to trust him to produce fantasy-relevant wide receivers. But we know Michael Pittman's a talented player. He's on his contract year. 
So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if right now if he's valued too low. If we are gonna buy him though, I like what uh, he was saying when he was saying wait till early in the season when Anthony Richardson's a starter if he's going off to a slow start because right now he still has a lot of value. But if he gets off to like a slow start in the first four or five weeks, that's going to plummet his value even more. People are gonna get very impatient with him, and that you're gonna be able to buy him because right now I think you can still get a first out of him. I don't know if you'll be able to get a first out of him if he starts off slow in the first five weeks of the season. I think you'll be able to buy him for even less than that. So I would be I'd be in a buy Michael Pittman in the first few weeks of the season. But either way, I'm either way, I'm terrified. Anthony Richardson is not a uh, a quarterback we want for our fantasy wide receivers. Maybe, maybe we can develop him. This coaching staff has history. You know, they just, you know, uh, a couple of these guys was just with Jalen Hurts couple years ago after you know being able to develop him into his uh third year as an nfl starter and just be an amazing quarterback and now look at jalen hurts now i mean his contract massively he is one of the better quarterbacks in the entire national football league are probably the best quarterback in the entire nfc right now uh but and they is going to be a project for them and it's going to be scary for michael Pittman jr but i agree buying buying him early in the season if he's struggling is a good good option and this is where i come from as well i'm not looking at this year for Michael Pittman's stats. I'm looking next year and the year after. Yeah. And we've spoken a lot between Brad, John, and myself and a bunch of other Australians as well going through the draft. And yeah, like you said, Anthony Richardson scares me, but the potential of what he can become, I'm willing to take the shot on that. And like you said, Pittman's in his contract year. So even if like, I think the Colts re-sign him and <laughs> want to give him a lot of money to keep him on there because he's a sort of wide receiver you want Richardson to grow with. But if there's a team out there that just chucks an absolute bag at him, he could end up in a perfect spot as well. So yeah, for someone with his size, his talent, I'm yeah, definitely willing to take a shot on him during the year to see where his value is at. He's going uh, wide receiver 23 on Fantasy Pros at the moment in Dynasty. So he's sort of sandwiched between Jerry Judy, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Traylon Burks are below him, um, Jordan Addison just above. That to me, and I, I know that this is not what you're saying, Dan, but you're making the point that once he falls, he'll be a value. See, Because I would rather have all of those guys, I think, in Dynasty over him right now. So that to me is a, like screams sell. Um, and then wait till he sort of starts to fall a bit more before you can scoop him up for the same reasons that Hutch was just saying. The the Anthony Richmond Richardson factor um, is a lot. And look, I to be honest, I've actually I've never really been a Michael Pittman guy, but I do. I'm aware that when you see him on the field, and he's he's a supreme talent. Um, so you can see where where you'd want to why you'd want to get him. Um, it's it's a tricky one for me right now. I still think that it's a bit rich where he is. Yeah, he's That's currently my wide receiver 28 in Dynasty. So that he seems a little high. But uh yeah, I'm I'm hoping he falls in value in the beginning of the season. Yeah, I've got him wide receiver 29 just yeah, behind Debo Samuel. Yeah, so I, I'm not uh, my concerns, and I sent this to Dan. I've just got it here that I'm reading like one of Richardson's strengths, like I'm I'm different to a lot of people, Hutch. I actually don't think Anthony Richardson's as much of a project as what many people are thinking. Um, just listening to guys like Nate Tyson, that on The Athletic, and they're sort of saying like, you look at his skills, it was a, a lack of talent was part of the main reason why he struggled. But the thing that I'm more worried about with Michael Pittman is his 
targets between that were either behind the line of scrimmage or up to 19 yards in his three seasons that he's played. So in 2020, 89.3% of his targets were either behind the line of scrimmage or zero to 19 yards. In 2021, it dropped to 84.4%, but last year it was up to 95% of his targets were either behind the line of scrimmage or in the zero to 19 yard range. So that for me is where I'm a bit cautious on him. I, granted, I know that has a lot to do with the um, the personnel that were around him, but I just worry because I think there's a lot of questions on that offense, including the offensive line that will, and like you said, you know, he's got to gel with Anthony Richardson and stuff. So it, he's he's just a guy who I'm, I'm a little bit worried who's not really going to give you that explosive scoring that you see a lot of these other wide receivers that who can who can pull that off like an Ayuk, like a Debo, those types of guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so John, who is who is your first buy that you like? Um okay, I'm gonna go with Chris Olave here. And look, it's it's a tricky one because right now he is ranked wide receiver eight on Fantasy Pros. I've got him actually ranked wide receiver nine, but even still with that much immense um, cost, I still think he's like the juice is worth the squeeze. I think he's an immense talent. Um, you could see what he was doing last year with Jameis Winston was actually not too bad over the first couple of weeks. Um, he was still getting going, but even in that week three game against Carolina, you know, he put up nine receptions, 147 yards. Even the week before against Tampa Bay, five receptions, 80 yards in his second game. Like, it wasn't bad. Um, he did deal with a few injuries and uh, the concussion that he sustained through the season. But even with Andy, Dal- Andy Dalton, he was doing really, really um, amazing things in his first year. Didn't have a huge amount of competition around him, but I think, um, and th- maybe this is even more of a Derek Carr take than it is a Chris Olave take, but I, I'm quite high on Derek Carr this year. I think he's kind of almost one of the um, most perfect quarterbacks from what you could get that the Saints could have got to bring into New Orleans um, and support those wide receivers. If you think about like um, the, the deep balls that Derek Carr was throwing to Devonta Adams last year, not that I'm comparing Devonta Adams and, Chris Olave, but there's you can see that the air yards are there for Chris Olave to go up and get if he wants them. And his ability, like his yards after the catch and downfield was fantastic last season. That's in his first season. We know that um, rookies perform who perform well in their first year, they go on in their second year to do really, really well. And um, for me, even though it's, it's going to cost you a lot, um, I'm currently trying to send my 106 pick or 107 pick for him because, I mean, if he was in this year's draft, he'd be right there with Jackson Smith and Jigba. He might – it's hard to say, Hutch, would you have Chris Olave ahead of Jackson Smith and Jigba if he'd gone in this draft as opposed I was, to last year? Chris Olave, I – as long as I remember correctly, he was a top two receiver for me in that class. Yeah. I think yeah. I think I actually I think I actually had him ranked above Garrett Wilson. I think Terrell Burks and Chris Olave were my top two receivers in that class. And he was drafted what wide receiver? Ten, like he was the tenth pick off the board, or eleventh pick off the board. I think no. 12. He was. 12. Yeah, he was twelve. I think because I think the Lions traded up to eleven to get Jamison Williams, and then the Saints were right. twelve yeah. and they collected Alave. Yeah, I think yeah. it was twelve. Or did so even he, though it's wild to think he was like the fourth receiver off the board there, but still just amazing, um, equally as talented as the other ones who went there. Yeah, he was 11th. He was 11th, actually. Yeah, no. I was say, I was, James Williams was in a different class. 
Yeah, I saw you checking that as well when you yeah, said no. Jefferson Williams. So wrong class, yeah, <laughs> wrong class. Yeah, he was. A, yeah, because Jameson Williams was twenty twenty two. Chris Lave was, or no, was he twenty twenty? What? Well, I, I think we're all getting confused here. I'm sure it was Jameson Williams. It was no, like, so yeah. So no, Chris Drake London went overall. first. I know that it was just told me Chris Lave was eleventh yeah. overall. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Drake Drake London went first uh, of the yep. receivers. Then Garrett Wilson. And went at 10, yep. then Alave yes. went 11, and, 11 and Jameson went 12. Oh, no, Williams yeah. did. Okay, yeah, yeah. He went yeah. 12. Okay. Okay, so it was Jameson. <laughs> um, I think as in my brain, I'm taking the so, suspension and I'm putting it last year, and then I'm putting his whole miss sort of, or like most yeah, of the rookie season, season the year before yeah, that, yeah, yeah, getting chopped and changed. Okay, so that's it for that's me. When, that's, uh, it's, yeah, I don't want to have to on too much about it, but I think Chris Alave, like I was really high on Garrett Wilson before. I'm starting to sort of cool a little bit on, on that, and I'm starting to sort of build some steam momentum for Alave. I think that makes a really nice stack no, with Derek so, Carr. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm done. Yeah, especially in your best ball sort of <laughs> tournaments, they'd be um, the best ball dynasties and things like that. They'd be a good pairing together. So, Hutch, have you got another guy that you're trying to buy in dynasty at the moment? I do. I do have another guy I'm trying to buy in Dynasty. Another one I want to buy. I am actually really looking forward to Jameer Gibbs, another rookie, when he's going to be able to do. I mean, he is like, for redraft this year, for Dynasty, he's kind of my my guy. Like, I, I'm kind of set in on Jameer Gibbs to be a stud fantasy football player. Right now, Jameer Gibbs is ranked. I want to put him in my top three so badly, but right now he's currently sitting at RB4 for me in my Dynasty rankings, and I, I – I just can't move above Taylor Hall. I just can't do it or Bijan. Uh, I, I don't think I can just do that yet. But seriously, seriously though, Jameer Gibbs is set up for so much success in Detroit. I don't understand why people doubt him at this point because I know he weighed 199 pounds. That wasn't fun. But he got drafted 12th overall. That eliminates all worries for him. The, the it Because it clearly shows that the Lions believe in him. But not just the Lions. The Lions felt they had to make that pick. Mm. They had to pick at 18. If they would have thought, oh, I don't, we can, we can wait. The NFL doesn't seem very high on Jameer Gibbs. They wouldn't have taken him, or at least they shouldn't have. That wouldn't have been the smart move. They, but they felt they had to take him at twelve in order to get him, which means that there were some other NFL teams that were going after him as well. So, and Jameer Gibbs is a very so Jameer Gibbs was a very high talent, highly touted player, and he comes to this offense that really needs pass catchers. Outside of him, Monroe St. Brown, it is. A lot of concerns. I mean, you have Sam Laporta, who they drafted, but he's a rookie. Rookie tight ends very rarely do anything relevant. Jameis Williams uh, did nothing last year off that ACL tear, and now he's suspended six games. Jameer Gibbs, we know, is an elite pass catching back. If he can get, like, I don't know, he, he doesn't even have to do much in the running game. If he can get 100 carries, he can still be an RB1 in fantasy because his receiving profile is just absolutely ludicrous. I could realistically see him breaking 80, 85 receptions this year. That's absolutely an outcome. That's in. That's absolutely his range of outcomes this year. I think he could have like an early Alvin Kamara start to his career, and that would be insane for fantasy. So I'm super excited for him. I think his current cost is just a little bit. People are getting high on him. I mean, he's around you know the RB six seven range. Like people are pretty high on him for dynasty. So you are gonna have to pay up for him. And the, usually the people who have him in your league really like him and do not want to give him up. So it's tough to trade for him right now, but. I am. I'm still willing to give up a lot to get him. So, can yeah, I give that, you a what might be considered a hot take, Hutch? Will you, so, your who are your top your top four dynasty running backs? 
It's Bijan, Hall, Taylor, and Gibbs. And I want to move Gibbs up. I want to move him to two. I really do. But I love Brees Hall, and Jonathan Taylor's just done too much in the NFL. I I want to, though. I, I really have been tempted. But you have him as your so, uh, I don't have John. I wouldn't have Jonathan Taylor in my top five. Oh, wow. Okay. So I, I, just, I just think with um, Anthony Richardson coming in, that's going to take away some of the – um, the value for and the carries and the touches for Jonathan Taylor. So you could, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's a solid that, argument to make. That that's me. But uh, Dan, any thoughts on uh, Hutch's pick there, or any comments? I love Jameer Gibbs, and like we were saying, there's a lot of volume to be had in that Lions offense. So, and like we said, behind a Munro, St. Brown, there's not a lot other than Jameer Gibbs. So he's, like Hutch said, he's going to be well within reason to have 100 targets in his rookie year. And then, like we said, any rushing upside you get out of him, you're laughing with the receiving upside there. So if you can get him, go after him big time. Um, I think that's a great call. I'm also really high on uh, Jameer Gibbs as well. I've got him in Dynasty right now as running back five. Uh, I have him. I would also like to have him higher. I've got Christian McCaffrey up in my top five as well. I've also got Travis Etienne at number four. Uh, We won't rehash that. We talked about that one. Etienne. We had some discussion on this one. Yeah, you you can go back and listen to the pod last week. I spent about 10 minutes making my case, so I won't won't bring it up again. But... um, I, yeah, I think he's going to be great. I think Jameer Gibbs is going to be great as well. And I think what a lot of people have been doing at the moment is creating this David Montgomery problem for him as well. Um, no, and I think that it. I think that that's a real problem to have as well. David Montgomery, you know, he's, he was a great player in Chicago and he's going to be a great player for the Lions. And I think that it's very sort of chop and change what the Lions have done. They've ta- They've brought in Jimmy Gibbs and David Montgomery in replacement for exactly, I think it's like a one-to-one for DeAndre Swift and um, Jamal Williams. Um, but the, the main difference is, um, the contract that they've given David Montgomery this year, the cap number is $2.8 million with a base salary of $1.25 million. Like that, that doesn't scare me. That doesn't worry me. I, I, I'm aware that like all rookies take a little bit to get started and get going, but you know, what does scare me pick number 12 overall draft capital. (laughs) Like that says a lot. And yeah. Assuming that he sticks around on the Detroit Lions, I think he's going to get an incredible contract. Especially on a running back. Salary. Exactly, especially on a running back. Spending 12th overall on a running back, like that's just it's ludicrous now. Like Exactly. Apparently they were comfortable taking him at six. They Because they, they had the six pick for a while, but yeah. they uh, gave it away. But there was reports saying that they were comfortable taking him at six. But then you didn't get him at 12th, which oh, is... That's yeah, it's so hard to say because it's like um, I saw the other report was that they were going to take him over Bijan Robinson, even if Bijan was yep. still there as well. Or yeah, so who knows? But um, no, I think Giz is in a really great spot. Also, trying to require him, I've got in my personal home dynasty league, I've got four first round picks, and I'm trying to get him with one of them. So we'll see. Um, it's but again, we're talking about buys, and it's like, what am I willing to give up to get him? I think I've given up plenty already, but we'll see. We'll see. It's a great call. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Gibbs. Um, I, I said it when we did the 
did the draft show the th- uh, the other the three of us Hutch we uh, did a watch along with the draft and at the time I I was quite high on Jimmy Gibbs I wasn't probably wouldn't have picked him with the twelfth pick but then later on I heard there was reports that New England were possibly looking at him at fifteen so um, or sixteen wherever New England would be sixteen I think it wasn't New England were picking so yeah you know like you said got to take him if you if you're not sure that he's actually going to make it to eighteen then yeah pay up for him so. Dan, who's your next buy? Uh, I'll go a bit deeper on this one. And it's always tough trying to think what you're going to get out of tight ends. But for a tight end that I'd target, I'd target Greg, Greg Dolchich out of Denver there. I think with Sean Payton coming on board, we'll see a completely new offense there. And what we saw last year out of Russell Wilson, that was about as bad as you'll see from him. I don't think he'll be that bad again this year, especially with Sean Payton coming in. And then you've got Sean Payton talking about Dolchich being their joker in the offense, so they're going to look to move him all over the place. And he played 10 games last year. He had 55 targets in those games. So they're already targeting targeting him as it is. So if they're moving him all over the place and looking to get him the ball, as a tight end, he's still being drafted, I think, outside um, tight end 12 sort of range. So I think the upside on him is massive and he could jump up to that top six tight end this year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah Delson Del- 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 absolutely has that potential. I mean, we saw it last year. The athletic ability there is really, really something that you can you got to keep an eye on. Uh, when you look at the tight end position, you want to keep an eye on athletes, guys who can make something with their targets and not just like receive them. You know, guys like Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, like all the difference makers in fantasy football at tight end, unless they're getting an insane amount of volume, they're athletes. They're guys that are making yards after the catch. They're guys that are making people miss. They're guys that are running around the field doing all over, going doing things all over the place. Those are the tight ends you want to target. Those are the guys you want to get in on. And Greg Dulcich is absolutely one of those players. He can stretch the field. We saw a few examples last year where he was getting some big-time targets down the field. Uh, he's a red zone monster. Uh, this dude is going to be – he is a really, really good tight end. And this offense, I mean, I don't know what's happened, but this the, Corlin Sutton has just seemed to fall out of it. Like, he just kind of, like, seemed to fall out of it. If Greg Dulcich can step up, I mean, the number two receiver behind Jerry Judy – there is plenty of upside for him to get in that top six range uh, if Russell Wilson really takes a step forward. So, yeah, definitely. I, I'm definitely in on Greg Dulcich with you. I, I like that pick a lot. Yeah, I love it. And when you think about Russell Wilson, like whether it's been uh, Jimmy Graham over the years or even like uh, Jacob Hollister we've had as well come through and come and go. And compared to who he's had now, he's always used the tight ends really well. And they've always sort of never been really like those high octane, like top tier um, premium players, but they've always been, they've always managed to stay relevant. And um, I, I had Dol- uh, Dolce's on my fantasy team and um, he was really, really, really solid as well through that first season. And um, you can see like there's a massive step in production. Um, you would think sort of in the three, four, five year range, but even just that step forward into year two is always really solid. I think Shane, Sean Payton as well knows how to use his tight ends really well. Also had Jimmy Graham over the years. So uh, maybe there is something there. Maybe there's a little bit of Jimmy Graham 2.0 between the two. 
and he's also come out and said he wants to use him as their version of Taysom Hill. So you know he's just going to get a lot of touches and you know it just in all different weird sorts of ways. So there's your is touchdown he, potential is he for those. Like, is he fast, physical kind of guy? I, that is a that. good question. <laughs> I guess uh, we'll wait was, and see. Something that I, yeah, um, I'm trying to see if I can find uh, his stats. Oh, he ran a four four point seven four point seven zero forty yard dash. Yeah, he's an hmm. athletic tight end. He's a guy who can stretch the field. And he's six four two forty five or something as well. So, yeah, for that sort of size with that sort of like athletics, athleticism, then yeah, they'll be able to do good things with him if they use him well. Sounds mm-hmm. good. I just so, traded him John, away for a second another... round pick. So <laughs> maybe I'm going to be a bit of bias remorse there. Um, uh, John, all right, I'm going to jump in buy? with, yeah, with my second buy. So my second buy is Kadarius Tony. Um, predominantly at the moment for the draft capital reason on Fantasy Pro's in dynasty rankings, he's going as wide receiver 44. Um, I think that not only is he like a supreme talent uh, when you, when he when he plays, which has sort of always been a bit of an uh, issue there, but he's playing on obviously one of the best offenses that we've seen in a really long, long time with Patrick Mahomes. He's got Andy Reid. He's got all the pieces. His competition is Sky Moore. Um, who else am I forgetting on the Chiefs right now? Outside of Travis Mark Kelsey, of course. Scantling. Yeah, MVS, who um, I think that they might also have a bit of buyer's remorse on that one, bringing that one in. But they did actively go out and get Kadarius Tony and bring him in. Honestly, like one of my cons- like other ones that I'm maybe concerned about, maybe I don't need to be, is Justin Ross, if he can actually do anything, because he was an amazing talent at Clemson. Um, they drafted Rashi Rice as well. And they drafted Rashi Rice, exactly. So... I mean, we haven't really said any names there that concern me. This is Kadarius Tony is uh was he a third year player? If I yeah. recall correctly. Yes. Yeah. So third even though he year. hasn't put up those elite, elite numbers, but we've seen him in games, you know, when he was with the Giants playing against the Cowboys. Um, he is one of those players who can pop off. I think there was that uh joke that even in the Super Bowl he had like less than 10% of snaps and still managed to nearly score two touchdowns. So for someone who can really break the game wide open um, at wide receiver 44, I think he's worth going out and getting. Um, if I have a quick look, the receivers around him, uh, just above him is Elijah Moore, Mike Evans, and Keenan Allen. I think I'd rather him over all of those in Dynasty. And below him is Tyler Lockett, Gabe Davis, Marvin Mims, Cortland Sutton. Like, I don't think that he needs to be in that sort of range of names that I'm, I'm mentioning. Yeah, you're... So the um, issue for me with any saying... Chiefs... Oh, so I was yeah, just going to say that joke you were saying, um, John, was from the uh, Ring of Fantasy football show. Danny Heifetz had a bet with uh, yeah. Craig Hallbeck and Danny said that Kadarius Tony wouldn't play five snaps and then Craig said that Kadarius Tony would have two touchdowns and they were both nearly right. If, if Tony had got that punt return, sort of, that would have sealed the bet. But uh, yeah, what we sorry, what were you saying about Tony, Dan? Uh, just the thing that scares me the most with any Chiefs wide receiver is as long as they've got Travis Kelsey there, it's hard to see the wide receivers that are going to pop out for them. 
you think with the offense that they run, any wide receiver on that offense that's going to get any sort of target share, you'll be all over. But as long as Travis Kelsey's there, he just demands so much ball. So it's hard to see the wide receivers that are going to be worth anything on that roster. Yeah, and since they lost Travis Kelsey, it's just been a carousel of wide receivers. They just don't really use a primary wide receiver in their offense. Since they lost Harry Kill, it's just been a carousel of guys. And I'm honestly, I mean, that's part of the reason why I, I actually disagree with this take a little bit with Kadarius Tony. I would personally like much rather take the shot on a guy that's like with the Chiefs offense. I do think that at the end of the day, we're going to see this. It's going to be like, oh, this was just a carousel of wide receivers again. Everyone got like 600 yards. Like it's going to be like that again. But if I'm going to take a shot on somebody, I don't want to take the shot on the most expensive player because that's what Kadarius Tony is at this point. He's the most expensive wide receiver on the Chiefs at wide receiver 44 because you have Sky Moore, you have Rasheed Rice. Even though I don't, I, I I mean, if I had to bet on one wide receiver, I'd probably bet on Kadarius Tony. But I mean, you have guys like, I mean, you have, uh, like, here, let me look at Fancy Pro's ADP real quick. So, Fancy Pro's ADP, this is single quarterback league. Kadarius Tony's going, or he's going wide receiver 43 right now in ADP. Right now he's going wide receiver 43. Rasheed Rice is going wide receiver 52. Sky Moore, 57. And then. Uh, where the heck even is Justin Ross? He's gone in these rankings. Yeah, he wouldn't even be there. Um, Justin Ross. Yeah, wait, hold on. Justin Ross, he is wide receiver 125. Like, I would much rather pay those prices for those guys because they still have all the same potential. Each one of these guys has a potential to be the number one receiver for the Chiefs. I would rather pay the cheaper price personally. Than, so Kadarius Tony is someone that I'm actually not really getting a ton of. Not necessarily because he's awfully priced. It's just that there's cheaper options. I think they have the same upside. Hutch, do you feel like when you say expensive, though, it's kind of all relative. Like we're always yeah, talking about wholesale yeah. prices here. It's not like we're we're saying, oh, man, it's going to cost you a first or a second round pick. Like I don't think no, it would yeah. even cost you that. And I think I oh, think, I think like, you're I, go for seconds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I think the play that I gave up to get him was like Rondell Moore or someone like that. I can't actually remember now. Um, but when you think about like, say you're doing, you're in a startup draft today. Um, obviously you've got your top tier players, your tier two, tier three. And then obviously those tiers start to become bigger and bigger because there's yes. more sort of like variance for all plays to come in. Um, you could almost make a case that um, Rasheed Rice or Sky Moore, rather Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony could almost be in the same tier. Um, and when you're saying like, what would you give up to get Kadarius Tony? It might be like, a mid, maybe an early second round pick. What would you give up to get Sky Moore? It might be like a mid second round pick, maybe, maybe a late second round pick potentially. So there's not a huge amount of difference there. And I think for the upside of Tony, I reckon that's easily worth a little bit more, just a tiny, a smidge more um, investment. But I know, it, I understand completely like what you're saying. It's like it could go anywhere. And the Chiefs have been so open over the last couple of years about wanting to spread the ball out more and what life looks like yes. after Tyree Kale. And we saw it in motion last year and that was terrifying. So I'm ready to get burned again though. Yeah. Cause the thing is like a lot of people like say someone has to like, cause I, I've heard a lot of people saying someone has to step up and someone has to be a pure dominant receiver. It doesn't have to be that way at all. I, I sometimes I'm like, sometimes I get it with these players where people are like, someone has to step up. It's also like if they're not talented enough, they're not going to get the targets they deserve. You know, like that's just that's, yeah. that's usually how the offense works. Is so usually, like you, I'm not saying all the time, but usually, it's the talented players who are getting the targets. And if you're really talented enough, you're going to earn a high target share. And if you're not, they're going to find somebody to 
eat up targets from you. Like that's just how it goes. And if no one really steps up in this Chiefs offense or truly steps up, it's going to be a carousel of frustrating fantasy options again, and you're not going to want a piece of it. For sure. And we have last year that uh, Travis Kelsey set a career high in targets. Yeah. So the more question marks there are in the wide receivers, the more Kelsey just gets targeted. So again, it's that yep. funnel towards Travis Kelsey. So, but do you think that that's also because um, defenses don't really have an answer for Travis Kelsey? We see like game week in and week out, he dominates those defenses. Mm-hmm. Kadarius Tony came in halfway through the season, and maybe they haven't had time to think about how they want to use him more creatively and in different ways, where he can be the one who who um, schematically is is a nightmare matchup for most teams. I think. Potentially, well, yeah. it could be that. I think there's a bit of. I think there's a bit of um, the way that the Chiefs use Travis Kelsey is, you know, that they'll start. They'll motion him out. You know, he'll start in line. He'll motion out wide, and then he'll come back in. And when you look at it from the defensive side, that's changing on the fly. Who's got that guy? So you'll see. You know, the the corners will go out and will follow Kelsey, and then they'll come in. And just as he's coming in, the ball gets snapped. And then you see the corners are getting confused because they're going, wait, now that Kelsey's coming back in, is he number one or number two? Who, who's my assignment here? And that's how quite often you can sometimes see, you know, we look at some of these plays and you go, Travis Kelsey is the best player on the field, like receiver-wise, like pass catcher-wise. How is he 35 yards in the clear? Like what's happened? And you go mm. back and you look at it and it's that motion that's created holes or you know the, the defense has got confused with their assignments because of the motioning in and out and, and that's where you can that's where i think the when you've got a guy like travis kelsey in the team and the play design and he's able to change the on the fly the player's assignments on the fly and that's where you know the motion is used to um can be used to such great effect for some of these teams is right at the snap of the ball You've got the guy who was supposed to be lining up on Travis Kelsey is now going, but he's now outside. He's the outside corners guy. Wait, now I'm who am I going for? And then you have three guys following one player and the Chiefs end up with two, three guys all by themselves. Yeah, I mean, this uh, is a, okay. this is a team that'll um play ring around the rosy before <laughs> behind the line of scrimmage before they start to run plays. So <laughs> anything could happen, but uh I just wanted to lastly mention with Kadarius Tony, because it is a real thing. Um it, it, like his soft tissue injuries do concern me yes. um, and they don't really typically go away. So that is priced in, I guess, but uh, no, I, I stand by what I said. Stand behind you. Con- convictions. Stand behind it. Um, exactly. So we'll, we'll breeze through these. We'll breeze through these quickly. Hutch, have you got a sell uh, that you're a, a guy that you're looking to sell in dynasty? Yeah, a player that I'm looking to sell in Dynasty, I mean, this one might potentially hurt some people. It might potentially make some people upset with me. Um, But I really just don't... I'm really concerned about Travis Etienne. I'm really really concerned. I mean, when you said Travis Etienne is RB4 earlier, I was like, uh. (laughs) Travis Etienne, I'm really, really concerned for. I mean, last year he finishes the RB16 in PPR scoring, and that was with him with pretty much the full-time workload, and he pretty much played every game, right? That was, and he finishes like the RB16 PPR, and that's in full PPR. That's where he finished last year, right? 
And now we're looking at Travis Etienne this year. They brought in a third-round running back, Tank Bigsby, and all the sh- reports have shown we don't want to give Travis Etienne the same workload. We don't want to give uh, Travis Etienne that workload. We don't want to give him the full-time workload. We want to involve other backs. That has been all the reports. We know Dougie P can use running back by committee backfields. We've seen him do that a lot in his career as a head coach. And adding on to that, I mean, people want to say, oh, Travis Etienne, he's an amazing receiving back, though. He's going to get it done. God, he didn't catch that many balls last year. I believe if if my memory serves me correct, 35. 35 catches yeah. last year. But And I, I just want to question, why would those go up this year? There's no reason for that. They add another running back who is a sneaky all-right pass catcher. He's not great, but he's okay. They added Calvin Ridley this offense. Why would they go up significantly? There's there's no reason for them to go up significantly, so I'm not going to bet on that. So I think he's going to simply lose some carries. Maybe he gets a little more efficient. Maybe he stays healthy. But I don't see him getting past, like, RP12. I just don't see him getting past that range. And he's going in a spot around – he's going top 10 in Dynasty, and that's just something that I'm just not interested in. I haven't ranked as my RB14, so not significantly lower. But I'm just not – I'm not investing in Travis Etienne and his cost. And for Travis Etienne also, it's more I'm more out on him in a redraft as well because he's going as a top 12 running back in redraft, and that just kind of like, eh, no. <laughs> I'm not I'm, I'm good there. But I know, I know, John, you we'll disagree. Sa- so we'll ahead. save you. We'll, 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 I was going to say, we'll save you, John, if you can condense your argument from last week. I'm still yeah. compiling my notes. The, I was uh, like, what? Cliff notes. Yeah, anyway, what was I saying last? Yeah, as I was saying. No. Okay. <laughs> no. So, uh, Dan, what do you, I know you, we spoke about this last week on the Saturday Air Raid show, but your your thoughts on ETN? Yeah, if you could, when you edit this show, when you edit this, if you could just put that Spider Man meme between Hutch and I. That'd be perfect because he basically said exactly what I said last week as well. So, yeah, Hutch and I same page with ETN. Love to hear it, John. We know your we know your position, John. So, uh, oh, Hutch doesn't. Then, <laughs> no, well, like I, I said, give him give him the cliff notes as to why. Yeah, I'll give him, uh, give him I'll summarize what I was. Um, I think that we have. So I see Travis Etienne as this massive post-hype sleeper, and I think that everyone was really excited about him last year because we we knew the talent was there and we know what he was going to produce. And a lot of people were let down because I think the hype was so immense. But um, I think what people are forgetting is that last year was his first year, and we often look at players who are rookies um, and what stats that they put up through their first sort of um, – season of of nfl it is always a slow start for rookies we know that we know over the first four games that's what's going to happen it's what happened to travis etn i know he was like i think that the coaching staff has taken into account that he did miss all of his rookie season and they treated last year as his first season he was splitting time with james robinson who was doing really really well and had absolutely no reason to um, lose the job to travis etn but he did he got traded away and travis etn took over and all of his attempts and opportunities went up from that moment on. It was from about week four on after that Philly game, which was, um, as you probably remember, was the immense sort of torrential rain, um, right up until the point where he got injured after the bye against the Ravens. And then he did take a few weeks to come back. But, you know, we talk about his receiving 
work wasn't good and it wasn't. All the stats pretty much support that it wasn't. But if you look at the last four games of the season, he had three targets, three targets, three targets, and two targets. He dropped one pass in that final four stretch, and he was putting up some really good numbers. One thing that didn't work well for him was his touchdowns. He only scored like five touchdowns, was it, for the whole season? Yeah, five. I think that's going to go up. If we look at the Jags, as everyone's talking about Trevor Lawrence will take a step forward, they're adding Calvin Ridley. I think Calvin Ridley's an argument for Travis Etienne. The offense is going to get better, and if they're going to create more first downs, they're going to create more opportunities to score. Um, I don't think that Tank Bigsby is a player that I'm particularly worried about. And I was saying this last week mainly because if you look at the game where he got hurt early against the Ravens, it was Jermichael Hasty and Snoop Connor for the rest of the game. And I think the Jags have made an educated decision to say like, hey, you know what? We're actually not going to roll. If Etienne gets hurt, we're not going to roll with Jermichael Hasty as the guy and Snoop Connor as the backup. We need someone who can come and fulfill that role. Um, I know that people are saying that Tank Bigsby could take away a lot of high-value touches, like inside the five, inside the 10, because Travis Etienne didn't do a great job last year. But I think that there's so much room for growth. growth. Um, and... His, you know, like when he was at Clemson, just the final thing I'll say, when he was at Clemson, he was, you know, putting up these sort of like five, six, seven, eight catch games for 80 to 100 plus yards. He has done his career and he was doing it with Trevor Lawrence. And I think that they will find a way to rekindle that. So that's just, that's my thing on Travis Etienne. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a valid it's a argument. Was that, that was the short version. That was the short version. Yeah, yeah. yeah the only thing I really, really see with Travis Etienne is the touchdowns and the offense getting better. That is something that's really, really a good point because if Travis Etienne gets in the end zone a few more times, we're looking at him as a different fantasy running back this year. Like, if he gets in the end zone more like 10 times, like, we're, we're looking at him differently. But I'm – with the touchdowns a little bit cons- – I'm I'm more concerned with Tanks Bigsby. I think at his size he could take some goal line work. He could take some of that work that area of the of the game and that's really really concerning for me personally when you look at etn's touchdown upside but yeah i think when it all when it boils down to it, i think you and me are just more more or less worried about tank Gigsby, bigsby i think that's the big thing for a lot of people out there is yeah bigsby and how we think how we think it impact the offense i'm following the coaching staff and what they're saying is that he's going to be like that they want to limit travis etn's workload that's all they've been saying all offseason long and Sometimes coach speak just isn't true. Sometimes it's just, it isn't true. We see all the time, like, you know, players are playing with a third team like we, and, it just, and then they come out and have a big breakout year. Like we see players being brought down and all of a sudden they come out and have a really good season. Like it, it doesn't, it, coaching staff doesn't, doesn't always uh, determine everything. Coach speak doesn't always determine everything because he is the third round pick. And if he just isn't that good, he's not going to get touches. Like that's, that's just how it's going to go. So well, I do think Tank Bigsby is going to be involved, and he is set to be a good part of this offense. I do respect the opinion that Travis Etienne is going to maintain a solid workload and get more touchdowns and be a great fantasy back. But I just don't—I personally don't see it. Yeah, I think, but the like, so he had fourteen hundred scrimmage yards in his rookie season. That should go up. It usually does in this instance with first-round picks. Um, five touchdowns. We're happy to say it will go up. And the other thing is, I just see. Like you remember last off at, uh, off season, where everyone was concerned about Zamir White coming in and taking away work from Josh Jacobs, and oh, Josh Jacobs was on yeah. his way out. And Zamir White is going to be the thing. It's just like I, that's I just see Tanks Bigsby, Bigsby as another Zamir White sort of situation. I just he's the same size as yeah, Travis yeah. Etienne. I know that like he yeah 
Travis Etienne has is not without his flaws, and I, I can see that they're there. I just I think that we're so we always talk about like positive regression, and it should go back to some sort of mean with that many much scrimmage yards and that much work. Um, but for some reason with Travis Etienne, everyone's so disappointed with last year. They're they're letting it get in the way. I think of this season coming. I think a big hindrance for Etienne's upside is Doug Peterson himself. Yeah, and that is as well. Yeah, he's yeah. never had a he's never had a bell cow type workload. Yeah, he doesn't do play. that. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't do that. Dan, have you got a sell for us? Okay, so this one's going to be interesting to hear everyone's thoughts on because you can easily buy him as well. Nick Chubb. So he's turning 28 in December. He's probably the best pure running back in the NFL. Kareem Hunt's gone, so he could get an uptick in receiving this year as well. His value is going to hold extremely high during this season. So if you're somebody that's during the season before the trade deadline, if you're not a contender and you can target somebody that is a contender and you've got Nick Chubb on your roster, you can get a good haul back for him still this year. So as much as it's tough to trade him away because of the season I'm expecting him to have, you're going to look to the future and you're going to try and get as many draft picks as possible or as many young players as possible to cover him and trade him away and hopefully set yourself up for a good two, three years in advance as well. I absolutely love this. I think this is a great option. Uh, I'm personally in the boat where I'm buying Nick Chubb though right now. If I'm a contender, he is set up for so much success this year. He is set up to absolutely smash this year. RB1 overall is absolutely in his range of outcomes this season. If he can find because here's the thing. I feel like people are concerned on whether the pass catcher work is going to go up or not. I think it's pretty much guaranteed that he gets more targets. And here's why. The Browns last year, I mean, they weren't a super high volume passing offense. And then Sean Watson came in and it wasn't really great. But this year they've lost running back depth. Not just Kareem Hunt, but also um Dearness Johnson. Yeah, Dearness Johnson. Johnson, sorry. They lost him this offseason as well. All they have is Jerome Ford back there. That's a relevant as a potentially relevant running back. That's all they have. They lost running back depth this offseason. They've added wide receivers, which shows us what. And then Deshaun Watson said to take a step as well. That shows us that the Browns want to pass more this year. And if they pass more, no matter if Nick Chubb's target share stays the same or not, he's going to get an increase in targets. It's just how it's going to go. And Chubb doesn't have to be a prolific pass catcher. He can catch 35 balls next year. He can catch 30, 30, 30 to 40 passes next year. If he can catch anything in that range, that is much better than what he's done in years past. And he's going to be significantly better fantasy running back because of it. I see him as a top five fantasy running back this year. I think he's going to be fantastic. But I do agree that if you're mid-season and you are not really looking great as a team and you can sell them to a contender, that is such a great option because next season, no one's going to be touching Nick Chubb at age 28. He's not going to be someone that's being touched at all. He's going to be significantly uh, thrown down in the ranking. So I love that take is selling him mid-season. That sounds so good to me. Nice. John, have you got a sell for us before we finish up? Before we finish up, I was maybe this could be more of a group chat because I'm not even sure that I half believe it myself. But can I 
throw it out there. And Hutch, you might look back on this maybe at the end of the season and be like, who was that lunatic who was saying to sell Justin Fields? I've got this uh, this thing in my head about Justin Fields where I think he's going to be fantastic for redraft this year. I think he will be fantastic. And I think if he really plays like future years in redraft, he could be fantastic. I don't think you'll ever get as much value for Justin Fields potentially as now. Like he has to really? win this year. He like, and I'm not talking about fantasy. I'm talking about real football. Now the bears have to win games. If the bears don't win games, I think that there's a world in which they could move on from Justin Fields and look, he could probably go oh, yeah. to another team and still be great. I don't think the reason the bit, I think maybe potentially the reason the bears moved out of the number one pick this year is because they looked at all the quarterbacks and said, yeah, I think Justin Fields is potentially better than these quarterbacks and we're happy with him. But I don't think that this staff or regime are particularly tied to him. I think if he is bad this year, there's a world in which they could be like, Hey, look, we're still bad. We need to move on. And, we could start this whole rookie contract process again because he is going into his third year now, his fourth year now, uh, third year. So, yeah. yeah. So, look, and, like, I've, I have Justin Fields, and I love having Justin Fields, but there's a part of me in the back of my mind that goes, is he ever going to be, like, could I ever get this much for him ever again? So even though, like, it, look, I would need to get a lot to move on from him, but it, the thought is starting to enter my mind of, like, what if the Bears are bad this year? What if they're losing games? What if they just decide, look, Justin, like Justin, you're a great player. You <laughs> you run lots. That's like, and that he, he's very good for fantasy. I think that there's some players that we just need to be able to separate fantasy and real football. Um, and yeah, I mean, half of it, I don't even know if I believe it myself. But I'm just, I, I actually don't mind this at all. I when when you said I'm gonna say something crazy and you said Justin, I was like, Are you gonna say sell Justin Jefferson right now? And now <laughs> it's, you know, I do respect this a lot, actually. I mean, I've had Fields in my ranks my quarterback eight in Dynasty, which is around yep. consensus. Some people have him ranked higher, some people have him Same. even ranked nine. lower. Yeah, but QB eight's pretty consensus for Justin Fields right now. And I totally respect the take that he's not gonna be uh the franchise quarterback for them because he was actually like if you look back at his numbers, he was horrific last year. Like, genuinely, he was horrific as a passer last year. He was so bad. He made some highlight plays, but, man, he was bad. And the volume was awful. It was really genuinely awful for Justin Fields last year. He really did not look great uh, throwing the football at most times last year. And if he does fail again this year, the Bears are probably going to be really bad because their defense isn't prolific. It's mm -hmm. fine. Yeah. They've had some pieces this offseason. They're going to be fine. But if they get any – because I don't remember – because they, they, they have their own draft pick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they, I don't remember. I don't And the think Panthers they, as well. They do have the Panthers. Okay. Yeah. They have the Panthers. So um, they're in a position to move up to one if the Panthers yeah, that, are bad, that which they probably yeah, they, could be. And they got the Panthers first in that uh, TJ Moore trade. Yeah, yeah. 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 They got the Panthers first in that TJ Moore trade. That's how, because the Panthers moved up to number one overall through that trade. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's yeah, more of just like a position to get Caleb yeah. Williams if they want. So yeah, and look, Justin Fields is supreme talent, and I love him. Um, just this is just one of those rare players where it's like, hey guys, we need to remind ourselves that Justin Fields needs to win this year. He has Otherwise, to. We're draft. We're drafting him. He has to win. Like yeah. if he does not, like if he does not show up this year, you're going to be extremely let down by picking him at like number seven or eight overall in a startup draft. Like that's brutal. Like yeah. that is, that would be a brutal pick to make if you're uh, a dynasty manager. So 
Yeah, Justin Fields is somebody that's he's he's a very risky uh, selection in dynasty. I feel like some people aren't really taking that into consideration. Yeah. Some people like to call him safe because of his running ability, but in dynasty, he could he can get replaced this year like that. Even if he's not, I just think that like the value is immense right now. It is so high, yeah. Because if he if he falls apart next year, like if he really doesn't look good, his value is going to completely mm-hmm. diminish. Yeah. Then the Caleb Williams rumors are going to come in, the trades are going to happen, things are going to get moved around, and then he he's done for. It's over. Like his value right now is so so high. He's he's a player like he's just one of those players in dynasty that everyone wants to have a part of. Mm-hmm. Like every, like people just want a part of Justin Fields. Like people are really excited for him. People are really hyped for him. So I yeah, I don't I'm, mind I'm that hyped. take at all. I'm, <laughs> I'm hyped, but yeah. I'm consent, but I'm hyped. Oh yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, it's exciting. Justin Fields is awesome, and his rushing ability last year alone proved to be amazing. But yeah, he's very very worrisome in dynasty. So um, yeah, I don't I don't mind that take at all. So I'm a Packers fan. Man, have you got and, thoughts on Fields? <laughs> yeah, so being a Packers fan, I think the best thing for Justin Fields is to get off the Bears. Yeah. So if they do end up trading him away, I can see his value for fantasy skyrocketing still. And he finished his QB7 last year, and he threw 318 passes for the whole season. Well, that's attempts, not completions. That's attempts. Attempts, yeah. So they bought in DJ Moore, who I'm, I'm not high on DJ Moore, but they bought him in to be the number one. He's better than what they've had there in the past. You have to believe... Fields' volumes as a passer is going to go up a bit. It's not going to be anything major, but he's going to get that volume as a passer going up. He's still going to run the ball nonstop. And then, like you said, if he doesn't improve on the Bears as a passer, somebody's going to pick him up if they end up moving on from him. Yeah. How many times have we seen that ever work out where someone moves on from the Ricky contract and then they do great things on their team? Yeah, that that's exactly that what happen. I'm thinking as well. That doesn't happen often. Like you don't you don't see that often with a, especially the quarterback position. You just don't see that. Like that's just yeah. something that happens often. So as much as I would love to believe that, it's just that's something that doesn't work out. If a team moves on from a quarterback, especially when they pick so highly, it probably means he's no good. <laughs> so I would I would uh, if Justin Fields were to move to another team, I'd kind of be done with him. I would I would just bet against him. It would it'd like, be yeah. It'd be too easy I- to bet against him. If you could, like, I think if you could get someone like Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert for him, if oh, someone's that, willing to get that piece, I, yeah. I reckon I would do that. Yeah, that's oh, a heartbeat yeah. move. Easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can get any, if you can get Burrow, Jackson, Herbert, Lawrence for Fields, that's that's an easy yeah. smash trade for me. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, the, the I actually, thing... like, oh, go for it. Sorry. No, 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 no. You go, Hutch. You go. Okay, yeah, and I was looking at because I have some quarterbacks that I'm a little higher on in Dynasty too. Like I'm pretty high on Dak Prescott actually. Yes, yeah, like, I, I think I've Dak Prescott's pretty undervalued in Dynasty right now. I mean, he's a little bit older; he's almost thirty. But I mean, when he's been on the field healthy, he's shown that he's a really good fantasy quarterback. I think you could straight like in a super flex league. I think you can straight Justin Fields for Dak Prescott in like two firsts. Yeah, I think you can get that done. And if you can get that, like, and those firsts could be early too, and it doesn't matter. Like those firsts can be anything. Like they could be early, they could be late. It doesn't matter. Yeah. If you can get that done, I'd be happy to get that done. Uh, I mean, but I think uh, people Dak are being scared off Dak Prescott because of all the interceptions last year. But yeah, when you look at it, most of them weren't on him. Yeah, there so, were some drops. There were some brutal drops. Yeah, last year. But to Hutch's point, is Dak Prescott is more of just like a 
the side piece, the two firsts are like sort of like the, the carrot that you're dangling in front of people. And you're just sort of trying to get Dak Prescott in as that equivalent that extra, uh, yeah. equivalent piece, but the other person's probably not thinking about it that way as much because they're so just smitten with Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the only thing I'm going to push back on, John, and, and the rest of you guys, well, there's two things. One, the Panthers won't be bad this year. Um, the Panthers will be good, so, right, so it's not going to be a high pick. I'm not. I mean, even no, if they're like, like, there's like, even if they're good, right? Even if they're all right, the Bears are probably still good. Like, if because the Bears are like, because if because if Justin Fields breaks out, we're not even looking at a situation where they trade him for a quarterback. But if yeah. they're bad next year and they have like a top ten ish pick, something yeah, around right there, top ten pick, yeah, and they have the Carolina Panthers, maybe they maybe they have like the twentieth pick next year. If you have the 10th and 20th pick, you have the power and you have you have 25 first you can use, you have seconds and thirds you can use. They are, if the Bears are a bad team next year, they will have the power to trade into the top five. And that will be enough to get them Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever they want. Yeah, and that's it. Who are you taking in a dynasty startup? Is it Justin Fields or is it the 24-101? Which hmm. Caleb Williams. Like I think I'd take Caleb Williams. <laughs> that's interesting. I, the, the, I mean, the, other, the thing is, the other the thing, thing is that when you trade for a first, there's no guarantee you get the one on one, so you can't realistically like. Do yeah, that, yeah, but, yeah. Of course, yeah, that's of course. tough. It's tough. The the only other thing that I think, and, and part of the reason why they they moved back, like the the Bears were not a good roster last year. Like, so their off starting offensive line last year was a fifth round rookie in Braxton Jones, who held up pretty well. Cody Whitehair was playing guard. Lucas Patrick was center. Tevin Jenkins was playing right guard. And Riley Reef was their tackle, their right tackle. So this draft was really, you know, they, they brought in Nate Davis as another guard. They're moving Tevin Jenkins over to left guard. You've got Cody Whitehair, who's played center, to go with Lucas Patrick. And now you've got um, Darnell Wright, the rookie out of uh, Tennessee, to play right tackle. So I think that might, to me, the lack of receiving options plus the offensive line that the Bears had last year is probably what didn't help Justin Fields with his passing. Like if you saw so much, he had to tuck the ball and run so much because you know that snapped the ball and it seemed like the defenders were in the backfield before as soon as the ball was snapped. So it was like a turnstile. Those some some of those games watching the um the off the the edge rushes, it was just going through unabated half the time. So I think with the improved offensive line and adding a guy like DJ Moore into the team will help to me. I think it'll help Justin Fields um, throwing. hundred percent. And and not to be confused, like this is not a, I'm not an anti Justin Fields guy. This is just a, no, but I I get a good discussion of thoughts in the back of my hand. Yeah. It's, it's something you totally got to keep in mind. Like his job is not guaranteed. Yeah. It's very much at risk right now. And I just, when I see people like taking Justin Fields over Justin Herbert, over Lamar Jackson, mm. and over Trevor Lawrence, I just lose it because they're yeah. guaranteed, especially in a one quarterback league. I kind of understand it because in a one quarterback league in Dynasty, you want to shoot for more upside because the quarterback position is more replaceable in a one quarterback league. But in a super flex league, like yeah. you're taking Justin Fields, a guy who could be replaced next year like that, yeah. over guys that are guaranteed franchise quarterbacks. Like that's just ludicrous to me. It's yeah, ludicrous. give me Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson any day. I think that 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 combo, oh, yeah. is nice. One hundred percent. Yeah, like okay, insane. 
That's it. I've got one final question as just as we're heading out, and it's just a quick, quick answer from everyone. Who would you rather in Dynasty? Justin Fields or Trey Lance? Justin Fields. Justin Fields. Yeah. Is this a trick question? What's the no, is this a bit? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. It's just it's 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 literally it's literally because I I saw I can't find I was trying to find who it was. I saw an argument on Twitter today to say that if Trey Lance was playing as of right now, he steps out. If he was well, if he was on the Chicago Bears right now, Trey Lance would have better fantasy stats than what Justin Fields would. That was an actual I mean, argument I saw on Twitter. Yeah. It's hard to say it's like, you know, I mean, I want to say no. I mean, you know, because we haven't seen Trey Lance do anything. And there's a big stench around Trey Lance right now because he just hasn't done anything yet. And he was the third overall pick. It's really, really been a bad start to his career for him. But it's also just hard to say flat no because we haven't really seen Trey Lance play. We've seen him play like two games in the NFL so far. And then he broke his ankle. Like we haven't seen him play in the NFL. So it's really, really hard to say that no, Trey Lance wouldn't guarantee he would not have better stats. But it's also hard to argue that he would because the 49ers didn't start him for a full season for the for a reason. Yeah. And they have said that Brock Purdy is going to start if he's healthy for a reason. They're the only team that have really seen Trey Lance. They're the only team that have watched him play enough. They're the only team that have seen him in practice. They're the only team. And everything that they've done around him has shown that they do not believe in him at all. They try to trade him away. They're saying Brock Purdy's going to start over him. Jimmy Garoppolo started over him in his rookie season for a full year. They they, they started Jimmy Garoppolo over the third overall pick, the guy they traded multiple firsts to get. And I saw a recent tweet. It was like, like the three firsts they gave were, were part of the Tyreek Hill trade. The other first was Jalen Waddle, and the other first was Bradley Chubb. Like they traded everything, everything to get Trey Lance. And it's just, they, they, they seem so willing to move on. There's a reason for that. So I would say, I would say I'd bet on Justin Fields scoring more fantasy points in the Bears last year than Trey Lance would have. But there, you can't guarantee anything because we had just haven't seen Trey Lance play. I was still in on Trey Lance just because of that draft capital until you heard stories that Sam Darnold was ahead of him as well. Sam Darnold, yeah. So that was it for me. I'm out completely on Trey Lance now. I I was out when I heard that Tom Brady threw more more passes last season in the (laughs) NFL than Trey Lance had in high school, college, and the NFL combined. Wow. So that's a that's real stat. Real. Tom Brady threw that's more passes brutal. last year than Trey Lance has his yeah. entire career. So wow, that is brutal. On that, oh on that note, I want to say thank you very much, Hutch, for coming on the show and chatting up with us. Uh, can you let everyone know where they can find any of your work that's coming out? Oh, sure. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, anyone listening, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at HutchsonB underscore FF. On Twitter, I do work with football guys with Dynasty League Football. And uh, me and uh, this kid, this kid I know, I, I'm sure you guys know him, Luke Sawhook. You guys know who Luke's, Luke is? Me and him, he's like a, he's really, he, Luke is amazing. If you don't follow him on Twitter, he's at Luke Sawhook. You should go follow him. He's awesome. But uh, me and him have a big project in the podcast game coming out soon. So uh, we're hoping cool. to announce that within the next couple of days. Well, actually, I don't know when this podcast will 
actually post. But within the next couple of days, we're hoping to announce it. It'll be very, very fun. So, uh, yeah, me and Luke are working on a big project. And then I've also got a Patreon. If you check out patreon.com slash clutch hutch, you can check that out. We've got a couple of tiers over there if you want to do that. That's yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm all over the place in the fantasy football community and I'm always making content on Twitter and I'm all over the place. I'm doing stuff everywhere. Awesome, man. Fantastic. As you should be as well. It's fantastic to finally speak to you. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. It was it was nice speaking to you guys. I was excited to get you on, man. I was looking forward to this. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. John, Dan. John, Dan, thank you for coming on and we'll chat with everyone next time. So until then.